DJ and PK, we're joined now by Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. Steve, good morning. Good morning. So, uh, with the NBA potentially poised to restart here on Thursday, uh, we had Dan Feldman on, NBA writer for NBC Sports Pro Basketball Talk, who doesn't think that losing Bogdanovich is necessarily that big a hit to the Jazz. It could turn out to be that way. Do you think the Jazz are capable of picking up that 20 points a game he brings? Well, I think, you know, one of the things that Conley started playing well, you know, in his role, um, you know, he had a significant role and then kind of disappeared for a while and, and then he kind of resurged again. So, um, you know, I, 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 my gut feeling is that they're not the same team. doesn't mean they can't do things differently and other people take different roles, but you'd much rather have them than not. And uh, I think that Conley has to take a more significant role. Joe Ingles needs to score you know, both those guys need to be 15 to 18 point night games if they're going to take Rudonovich's place. But um, they'll step up, and, and uh, uh, everybody will. Some some guys will assume some new roles. They'll have a little less depth. I, I think are they allowing them to pick up a couple of extra players before they get started again? If somebody, maybe somebody's out there that's available. But uh, uh, I, I, you know, I think it's it's a pretty significant loss. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's 18, 19 a game. Um, but there are people there that are pros. Uh, I think Conley has to take a major step forward, and uh, and I think Joe Ingles does too in terms of just having that mindset to score rather than just being a distributor and taking the open shots that you get. They got to be both have to be more aggressive. I don't want to get too political with you because that's not the point of our show. But I do want to ask you something regarding of what's going on in the world with these protests and and looting and all this stuff. In my mind, we know we saw some of it down here in downtown Salt Lake City on Saturday. And my thought is maybe some of it could have been mitigated if just a couple miles to the west the Jazz were in a home playoff game. And my point for you, and you've been there at the ground level, so I think you're very much qualified to answer this question in terms of how much you have seen sports, in your case, basketball, from people of all different walks of life, particularly, you know, with you and the foreign guys that you've coached and junior college kids that you've brought in that may have some so-called baggage, but how much can sports bring people together? Well, I think you can bring people together in ways that hardly anybody else can. And, I, and what, we're, what we're seeing here, there's so many layers to, to this ignorance and selfishness. And, you know, and, and, and that a lot of people have used a lot of different words. I, I think Dale Murphy over the last few years, you know, the systemic issues that we have, they are systemic. And these uh, is not just the United States, it's throughout the world. And uh, so when I think about sports and I think about the character traits that one must have to be selfless, to be hardworking, to be a good teammate, to uh, help a guy up, uh, you know, I, I'm not saying that you can't find prejudice and uh, racism in, in, in teams and organizations uh, of sport, but you see a lot less of it there than you would uh, what we see happening in the real world. And if you take the take the attributes of good teams, you know, the, that's those are the things. Uh, you know, I'm a Christian. I believe that you know. We, uh, I love God and I love other people and I equally, and that's, that's how I'm going to live my life. And, and we, we love each other and we support each other, and that's what we see teams doing. And that's why when we see teams come together, they're so united 
that we, we've talked a lot about culture, but that culture, you know, in, includes uh, treating people with respect, treating people, trusting people. You know, all the character traits that make intangibles that make teams great are the things that are that are missing in our society amongst uh, different factions of people. And we're, I'm not here to characterize any particular group, but at the end of the day, we're we would be really naive to think that. Uh, there are a lot of things that have been going on for a long, long, long time. This darkness, I think it was Martin Luther King who said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Only love can do that. Well, you know what? I've been on teams where you, you, when the season's over, that's one of the first things that guys talk about is how much I love playing with his teammate, how much I respected him. And those qualities that we learn as small children growing up in our homes or wherever, our churches, whatever, you know, those are the things that are missing in our world right now. And it is problematic, and it is it's painful to, to see the insensitivity towards others of color or gender or whatever, the, whatever it is. I mean, I, um, it, it's hard for me not to bring my faith into, not, not my church, but my faith into the fact that, you know what, we've we got to be treating people better, and we shouldn't stand for this. And... Uh, it's uh, we need more inclusion. We need to be more humble. We need to be kinder. And uh, and so the one thing that sports does, uh, no matter what color they are, whatever their what background is, whatever their economic financial situation is growing like, they're together. And that's always been there. I mean, that, that's the one thing about sport is that it's always been there. And for the fan base, it's something that they can connect to and be a part of that family as well. And, you know, if we treated... Uh, other people like we do our family and our favorite teams and favorite players with such adoration and love well you know everyone deserves that kind of attention and respect and so if you just look at your own life and see where you feel the safest you know it might be following your favorite team or a favorite coach or someone in your family but there's always that love and that respect and there isn't uh, what we're seeing today and and I I think you know sometimes you got to learn to walk in other people's shoes, and uh, and I do I, I do like the idea. I mean, I'm not a I'm not on social media as much as you guys are, but I, I, I watch enough and hear enough to see athletes, black athletes, white athletes, Asian athletes that are stepping up and and sharing that you know we, we can't tolerate this. We, we we can have a say in society, and you know what these athletes can. And uh, the thing that was disturbing to me is watching communities in, in, in your own, like you said, in your own community in Salt Lake, to see, see to see what happened and how how that deteriorated so quickly, to from completely away from the point of the whole purpose of peaceful protesting and recognizing the absolute wrongs that are going on in society, and then to do the looting and the destruction and 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 and, and oftentimes. Of people of color's businesses. I mean, it's just insane. And so, yeah, I do believe that sport is a good thing, but it can't be just to get our mind off it. That they have to have a voice. I, I think our athletes and our coaches and the community leaders have to have a voice in this, and it needs to be heard. And I, I think that offends some people. They get they get uncomfortable with that. And we're way past getting uncomfortable. We've been mistreating people in this country for a long, long time. And so, who, who do people? Look, who do the young people look to? They, they look to their athletes. They look to people that are in the public eye. And when someone can get in the public eye and 
speak intelligently about how we should treat each other, I think it's a really, really good thing. And so I, I think that added responsibility of being a role model. We all, you know, nobody wants. I'm not, I'm not a role model. I'm not a role model. You know what? We need role models. You're going to, you're going to take on and put the hat on of being a professional athlete. You, you've got to understand that people are watching you and that they, they looking at your example. And in a world where things, a lot of things are broke, these athletes have no idea. Some of them have no idea of the influence for good that they can have. So I'm all for. I have no problem with uh, an athlete or anyone in any profession stepping up and saying something that's intelligent and well thought out and that's kind and loving towards another man or another woman. So, uh, yeah, I, I believe sports can play a big role in this. So, Steve, I've had occasion over the last seven or eight years to um, learn a lot more about poverty and hunger, how pervasive it is and just the grinding nature of poverty, how it just wears people down and takes hope away. And on one level, you know it, but then you learn something else. And it's like peeling back an onion. Every time I think I know it, then something else happens. And I learned something I didn't know, you know, three months earlier. And I think that as a basketball coach, recruiting, you go in neighborhoods and you meet all kinds of people, and especially as a junior college basketball coach, maybe even more than D1, because you're looking for diamonds in the rough everywhere. Uh, my personal opinion is that as much as this has been about police brutality the past week, as well it should be, um, but the background of this is that it's like the dry grass before a fire. Poverty just sets a tone, and then something like this happens, and everything goes. But can you just talk about the poverty you saw recruiting kids in the Central Valley long before you came to BYU? Yeah, you know, we were, I've been in a lot of homes and in the inner city, and not just in, in California, but around the, around the country. And, uh, you, know, you know, the... I mean, even even when I was in Indiana in the mission, I mean, I, I was in the, I was in the inner city a lot, and I saw poverty firsthand. And uh, but one of the things I will always remember is that no matter how impoverished their conditions were, no matter what their circumstances were, there were moms and dads and aunts and uncles who loved their kids and who wanted the best for their kids. And I, you know, I, they were there was never a situation where I went into a home, it was more, they, they, they appreciated me being there. And if, you know, if I had assistant coaches and got treated with such great respect and I always went away from those experience, recognizing that they may not have a great deal of money. They may not have the resources that a lot of people have, but they got what's really important. They, they, they have great love and respect for their children, their grandchildren. And you could just see the harmony in the home when you go in to visit those places. And, and I, I, I had some choice experiences being in homes where, uh, you know, mom was raising two or three children. Uh, there's an uncle or a big brother. There was just, the family, was, it was just a familiar experience when you went in there, and regardless of what their circumstances were. And I'll tell you what else happens. And to this day, that where I have gotten really close to young men that were junior college players, and especially now that I'm older, and when you have an occasion to run into somebody, run into a, a mom or a dad or somebody, and we just have a chance to sit down and talk about a really special time where in their minds, hey, thank you for giving my son an opportunity, but, you know, hey, thank you for supporting us and, and, and encouraging him to come to our school. 
because he played a huge role and influenced a lot of people for good, and it was great for the institution. So um, now I, I've had some really choice experiences with people that to, to this day that when I see when I see them somewhere or I get a text or uh, I, I get a little letter from somebody that that's one of the really great payoffs for coaches is when former players will or families uh, who really have struggled will just you know share some gratitude with, with you regarding you know maybe your your small role that you played with their son and uh, those things mean the world to me and that that's you know what's interesting about this time there's, there's been a lot of really good things that have happened as a result of this pandemic outside of the health issues and the death and but the the, the positives there's some positives there too where people uh, are really connecting with each other and families are connecting with each other and we're spending time with each other and when, and when in times in the past we maybe haven't done that and so you know yeah we're looking kind of for a silver lining this pandemic is horrible it's 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 just you know you just it saddens you to see the number of people that are dying and and uh, but I, I look around in my community here and I mean just in the neighborhoods I don't know how it is in your neighborhoods but people are walking down the streets stopping and talking and hey how, how people I don't know you know that they, they don't know me and it's just a, it's incredible to me what's really important in life and you know that you probably had some aunts or uncles or maybe even parents that have passed and you start I've, I've met with enough people that in the last days and hours of their lives you know what was most important were family how people treated each other love and respect for each other the dignity that one shows those are things that, that matter and uh, you know what black lives matter white lives matter asian life matters. i mean it, it absolutely does and we've forgotten that we have forgotten that, unfortunately. But I learned a lot of those things when I left. You know, I came from a middle-class family that didn't have a whole lot, but I had a dad that taught elementary school and taught, you know, sold shoes at Sears after work, and uh, you know, mom doing a million things. And so I had an appreciation for what I did have, and and that's due to my family and my mom and dad. Not everybody has that, but when when you go in to an inner-city home and you sit down with them. Uh, you can just sense and feel the love for their children and the protection of their children. And uh, it's, it's really, really gratifying. Some of, some of my sweetest experiences were on the road with, uh, in, in the inner city and uh, doing anything I could do to maybe help that young man, whether he was going to come to our school or not, but just reaching out to him. And uh, not, had nothing but love for them and nothing but love for us. And that was really the, a big part of it. Even if we didn't get a kid, funny how you, you get close to people, even when they don't come to your school, you'll see them around. But when that, you end up playing that young man, he comes over, hey, coach, uh, hope you're doing good. You know, thanks for all you did for me. Uh, though that's what life should be about. You know, it's kind of how we treat each other. How much of that then responsibility when you go into these places and bring a kid or even if it didn't but especially if the kid does decide to come to your school how much responsibility did you feel then to the family of that kid in the, in addition to the kid himself to make sure that things are okay in his life well you do feel a lot of responsibility for all kids well you know whether they were a kid that had far less than another but you you know it's one of those things that you become kind of a surrogate father mother mind me my wife 
was very involved with the young men. You know, oftentimes you have kids coming from other countries and, uh, you know, that relationship, some of them had mothers in their homes, some of them had dads in their home, some had both. But when you're coaching and you could ask any coach, you take any of the coaches and their wives and their children play a significant role in making sure that when a young man leaves his home and, 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 and is homesick or uncomfortable or hasn't made friends yet, you embrace them. And, and that's what great organizations and programs do, whether it's in business or in sports. It's making people feel loved and trusted and safe. And when they start feeling that way, then they perform at the very highest level. So, yes, you absolutely do that. And I think the thing that sometimes makes it difficult is, you know, when somebody's not playing and, and where circumstances change and, and uh, you know, maybe that individual's not getting the kind of playing time, they deserve to have conversations. I mean, I, the thing about coaching, really, you do a lot of things on the floor and you put systems in, and but a lot of that is done by assistant coaches. A lot of the things that are really important for a head coach have to do with off the court. And those, you know, those opportunities to, to go, you know, walk on campus and have, have a drink and, and talk for 30 or 40 minutes and find out what's happening in their life or have them over to your home on the weekend or whatever the circumstance might be, and you, you start developing that trust. You start recognizing you can teach them what it means to be honest with themselves and others and what it means to be selfless and uh, you know what it means to be accountable. Sometimes you have to take young men, no matter who they are, no matter what color they are, but you need to take them away from the team and have those moments that uh, you, you can share what you believe to be right. You know, and integrity is a word we use loosely, but I mean, integrity is a big part of any organization. And one of the things that I tried to teach is that when, you know, doing what you say you'll do is really important <laughs> in anything you do in life. And uh, uh, we, we see obviously a society right now where people don't understand that principle, but these principles are universal to all walks of life all types of businesses, all types of organizations. And uh, I think sometimes we forget that. And so for me, that was a really important piece. You know, I, I, I like to have won more games. I like to have won more championships. But today at 68 years old, you know what really means a lot to me is when a former player texts me or calls me, checks in with me during the, the pandemic, hey, how are you doing, coach? I mean, that makes my day. And that, that didn't happen by accident. That, a relationship had to be developed. We had to be connected. And uh, that's on a small, you know, in, in my small world, but we really need to look at the big picture that as well, you know, in terms of these connections and what we can do to better get along and have a different narrative and uh, less tolerance for the things that we've seen happen here, uh, not only in terms of the police, because I do believe, as was, and many people have said, you know, 99% of the police are good people doing the right thing, and obviously there are some that aren't, and it's disgraceful. But but we're, we're in a situation, too, where we have people right now that are out, you know, protesting and destroying property and destroying, you know, businesses and doing things, and that, that, that's, that's that there's, something's broke here, you know, and we need to address that. and. Uh, our leaders need to address it, but we all need to address it. We need to talk about it. I think there's a lot of things that 
especially as it relates to color that we've all been kind of hesitant to talk about. Is it appropriate? Man, everything should be on the table right now. It's time. And, uh, and hopefully, whether it be through politics or your church or your friends or organizations or your businesses, we all need to be a little more enlightened about how we treat others and uh, how, we, how we are treated by ourselves. And, and those things are really, really important. So I, it disgusts me to see buildings being burned up and destruction going on. That, 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 that's so harmful. I recognize that sometimes you've got to get people's attention to make change. But uh, I'd advocate a, a more peaceful way. And, uh, and, and certainly it starts in our homes. You know, if you're a young father and mother, you start teaching these principles, the simple principles, you know, to love others like you'd like to be loved yourself. You know, it's a pretty simple thing. So I don't mean to be uh, pontificating here, but I, I think everybody just is kind of disgusted with a lot of things that have been going on in our country for a long time. And uh, if it, this brings us to its attention, it's, it's just shameful what happened. But uh, hopefully from this, we can be better. Steve, thanks for a few minutes. As always, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, guys. Take care.